Well, God's good. Amen. How many can just shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Amen. Thank God. I just wanted to know if I was in a Presbyterian church or a full gospel church. I remember one time I used to say, um, and I don't know, I mean, I used to say, um, beat the Baptist to the buffet. You know, I make that statement. And I got a letter from a Baptist that was mad, making fun of me, got mad at me. But it was just because it rhymed with buffet. That was the only reason. It, had, it wasn't a shot against the Baptist. And that wasn't a shot against the Presbyterians, by the way. just want you to know that. I love the Presbyterians. So, amen. Uh, so just look at your neighbor and say, man, you sure look good. I'm sure glad I'm sitting by you. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to John chapter 8. I want to talk to you about the title of this message is Change is Certain, Growth is Optional. Change is Certain. How many know that things change all the time? And, uh, and we're constantly in a, in a state of change. Things are changing. But we're not always growing. And I just want you to know that God wants us to grow. And you have to have a strategy for growth if you're going to grow. Because everything in your life is, is kind of arrayed against growth. Um, I mean, we have, like, uh, Neil, who is our youth pastor, by the way, was talking about how that, we have all kinds of technology. We have ways to make our lives easier. And, and so because of that, uh, it's easier to, to kind of move into a sedentary life and for our lives to become just entertainment and, you know, filling time. And we don't have a strategy for growth. And if you don't have a strategy for growth, I'll guarantee you that you will not grow. Now, sometimes people grow by accident, but usually you have to grow on purpose. You've got to have a strategy for growth. And uh, I remember one time I was, uh, I used to take walks around here and I'd walk down these roads and kind of pray and meditate. And I remember once, I think it was probably spring, I saw this tractor going, breaking up a field and you could, I could see the, st the smoke coming out of the tractor. And I was thinking about, and I started thinking about that tractor as it was plowing the field, and the field was fallow, and the field had settled into a non-productive state. And uh, the field was basically saying, no, I want to stay the same. And the tractor was saying, no, you ain't staying the same. No, something's about ready to change here. I'm about ready to turn your world upside down. And I, and I think that is something that really spoke to me about our lives and how that if we don't have a commitment to grow, we won't grow. We'll be, years will go by and we'll still be kind of the same or we'll, we'll kind of go into a state of stagnation. I know I was listening to a sermon by Joel Osteen, who I like, by the way, and uh, I don't know people seem to pick on him, but I like him. But he was talking about maintaining your thirst. And he was saying how that it's so important for us to drink. You know how much water I'm supposed to drink every day? They say 100 ounces. Can you imagine that, drinking 100 ounces a day? You know what I do when I drink 100 ounces a day? I spend a lot of time in the bathroom. But they say you're supposed to drink half of your body weight in ounces in water every day. And, and so uh, I remember when my dad was, you know, he, he got pretty old, and before he died, we would take him to the doctor, and the doctor would always say this. He would always say, your dad is, is very dehydrated. And I'd look at him and go, he doesn't look dehydrated to me. And so then we'd always put water in front of him. And you know what he'd always say? We, I always say, Dad, the doctor says you're dehydrated. you got to drink. He goes, I'm not thirsty. And, and the problem is with not being thirsty is, is that your body adjusts. If you, drink, if you stop drinking a lot of water, your body adjusts to not having water. It sort of shuts down. And it's not good for your body. You're supposed to have half your body weight in ounces, that much water every day. And, and so your body sort of adjusts uh, to a lack of water. And I think that's a picture of us spiritually, that it's easy for us, if we're, not, if we're not thirsty, if we're not drinking of the rivers of living water on a regular basis, what happens is that we adjust to that situation and that condition, and we're slowly dying of thirst, and we don't realize it. And so you have to have this, this attitude that I'm going to be, I'm going to do something proactive about my growth, spiritual growth. You know, it's interesting. 
the evil day comes to everybody. How many know that's true? There's a problem. I mean, I don't want to prophesy. And I don't want to, I don't want to put a, a hex over you or whatever. But how many know that life is just like that? There's going to be a trial in your future. I don't even have to be prophetic to announce that. But it, we, every, in the world, there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be trials. And you're going to have one in the future. And I'll tell you this right now. It's so much easier to go through a difficulty and to go through a trial when you're spiritually sharp, spiritually alive, spiritually uh, filled than if you're dull and dim and, and, and sort of on your last spiritual leg. You know what I mean? You know, it's sort of like, um, kind of blowing up my sermon here, but it's, it's sort of like if you, um, you know, like I, we, we burn wood to heat our house. I don't tell the environmentalists that, but, but anyways, we burn wood. So we end up cutting a lot of wood and a lot of wood because my wife demands that the house be 74 degrees in the winter. It doesn't matter if it's 30 below zero out. She wants it to be 74 or more. That's why we all have that prune look, that kind of like dried up look, because we've been sitting in these, ba- we've been baking in these houses that are 74, sometimes 78 degrees. And it's, tw- you know, we're just baking in there. It's like, uh, anyways, but I won't go into that. But so anyway, so we end up cutting a lot of wood. So I know a lot about cutting wood. I know a lot about splitting wood. And one thing I know for sure, that if your chainsaw blade is dull, it is rough cutting, buddy. In fact, you can tell when your chainsaw blade is dull is it doesn't, your wood doesn't cut. It kind of, the saw burns through the wood. And so what you see is you see a lot of blue smoke coming out of your chainsaw, and it's rough, man. You're down there for forever trying to get through this piece of wood. And the reason for it is because your chain is dull. And you think about this. If somebody came to you and said, maybe, man, uh, this is kind of bad. I mean, things are starting on fire from the friction and the lack of, you know, the lack of uh, sharpness. Maybe you should stop and sharpen your blade. And you say, I haven't got time. I got all this wood to cut. And that's kind of how life is. I mean, we've got so many things to do. We got uh, kids. We got spouse. We got this. We got that. We got all kinds of things to do. And a lot of times we don't stop and take the time to sharpen ourselves. How I many know what I mean? It's very important that we sharpen, our, sharpen ourselves. You know, I was listening to um, John Maxwell. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's kind of a leadership guru. He's kind of like an expert on leadership. And uh, this guy is amazing. I, when I, the sermon I was listening to, he talked about how he had done seminars for Saudi, the, the king and the whole cabinet of Saudi Arabia. He's a Christian man. He's doing seminars for that. And he, he's trying to bring them into a more, uh, a more um, Christ-centered uh, leadership st- uh, in his cabinet. Isn't that powerful? Wow, talk about being light and, light and what is the other one? Salt, salt and light. But, um, but, he, but he, said, he said this. He said, I don't set, because, you know, the new year, everybody sets goals. This year I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And we all set goals. He goes, I have goals. But he says, I don't focus so much on setting goals. He goes, I focus, my focus is on personal growth. I thought, huh, that's interesting. Because goals can be achieved sometimes without, without uh, character being affected. You know, you can just reach a goal. It can be sort of mechanical. You reach this goal. But what God's after is God wants us to grow. How many know that's true? God wants us to grow. And and, and in a sense, God insists on our growth. He insists that we grow up. And there's a sense when that it's true spiritually that we're already complete spiritually in him. The Bible says we're complete in him, who is the head of of principalities and powers. But our so spiritually we're already complete, but our soul needs to grow up into that which God has for our lives. And you know, no matter how, where you're at right now spiritually, no matter what issues that you're dealing with in your life, I found this to be true. You can always grow into something. You can always grow into freedom. You can always grow into victory. You can always grow into more of God's provision of salvation. You know, I tell the story about, you know, I, when I was a kid, I was like, I was a bratty kid. You know, most of you have heard me tell you that. 
But, um, uh, but I, I started smoking cigarettes when I was nine years old. I mean, that's pretty young. And someone goes, well, how'd you get cigarettes? Well, I'd take them out of the, you know, you, more people smoke back then. And when you go into a department store, there was always an ashtray there with some sand in it. How many ever seen that? And so people would take a whole puffs and they put, so there'd be long cigarettes there. So me and my friends, we'd go over there and gather them all. And then we'd go smoke. Yeah, not real bright, but we weren't real bright back then anyways. But, and we always knew where there was a cigarette machine. They were only like 25, 35 cents back then. Do you remember? What are they now? Eight bucks a pack or something? It's crazy. You go broke just having that one addiction. But, but so after I got saved, I knew I shouldn't smoke. I mean, my church taught, well, actually, my church taught you shouldn't do anything. <laughs> but pray and read your Bible. That's a, and, and I don't know if they taught that or I just kind of thought that. But basically, everything was wrong. I do remember them saying that going to a movie was almost a, the unpardonable sin. You know, that, because if the rapture took place and you were at the movie theater, God wouldn't know where to find you. That's a true story. That was, that's what somebody told me. And so, so I, you know, I had this struggle, but because I loved to smoke. I mean, I got rid of the drugs. I got rid of a lot of things, but that smoking, buddy, that was tough. And so for the first six years of my Christian life, I would, I would buy a pack of cigarettes or get a pack of cigarettes, and then I would smoke one and feel guilty and throw it away. And, and then the next day I'd go, where did I throw that? <laughs> you know, because I'd throw it out the window, and then I'd go... There I am looking through the bushes, you know, along the side of the road, trying to find that pack, cigarettes, and so I could, I mean, that's how my life was. And sometimes I'd have victory for months. You know, I wouldn't smoke for months. Then all of a sudden one day, I don't know what happened, but then I'd fire one up and smoke. And I just couldn't get rid of that smoking. It just seemed to plague my life. And, um, and so one day, you know, I, but I kept growing. I was committed to growing. I kept growing. I was committed to grow in my spiritual life. And one day, after about six years of this on and off with this cigarette habit, God spoke to me and said, I don't want you to smoke anymore. That was the last day. That was like over 40, it was like 44, 45 years ago. That was the last day I smoked. I've never smoked again once. Now, I've had, I mean, I've been tempted at times but I've never in 45 or 44 years have I smoked a cigarette. So my point is this, is that no matter what your addiction or what your problem is, what your difficulty is, you can grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can grow. You know, a little kid sometimes, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but a little kid, <clears throat> if you ever seen a little kid sometimes, they'll put on their daddy's shoes and their, their daddy's coat and it's hanging way down. It's just, it doesn't fit. But someday you say, you're going to grow into that. You're going to grow into that. Someday those shoes will probably become too small for you. Someday that jacket will be too small for you. Someday you're going to grow into You may not be able to see it right now, but someday you're going to grow. And God is not giving up on you. God is going to, he's committed to your growth. He's committed to see you grow. So it doesn't matter what you're going through, what difficulty you're going through. God is committed to your growth. Amen. He wants to see you grow. And see, if we, you know, a lot of times, like I said, it's a whole lot easier to go through things when you're, because you are going to go through stuff. It's a whole lot easier to go through stuff when you're alert spiritually, when you're strong spiritually, when you're uh, sharp spiritually, than when you're dull. You're listless. You're just like, because when you're not sharp, difficulty wears you out. Life wears you out. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Man, this, this is wearing me out. I'm getting wore out. And that's a sign that you're not that sharp spiritually. Just like that saw, you know, when it's not sharp, the blade's not sharp, it doesn't go through stuff, and it wears you out sawing. I mean, it really does. It wear, even if you're, if you're um, I mean, I heard this story, a joke about the guy that was a lumberjack, and he'd, he'd always cut trees down by an axe, and... Uh, one day, he went to the hardware store to get a new axe, and the guy goes, oh, you should have tried one of these, and he showed him a chainsaw. And he goes, what's that? That's a chainsaw. Boy, that thing will really cut trees. And so a few days later, the guy comes back and says, this, thing's a, this is a piece of junk. 
He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I, I worked all day. I hardly cut one tree down with it. He goes, why? And he reaches over and turns the switch on and fires the thing up, and the guy goes, what was that? <laughs> he never turned on the motor. He, he's trying to saw without the motor. But anyway, it's a long story. But, but it's a whole lot. It's dumb, right? <laughs> Dumber than dumb. That's beyond dumb. But, but, but my point is, is that it, it's amazing how, how it's easier to go through things. That's why Paul, when he went through stuff, he said, we're troubled on every side, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. I mean, he would talk about the things he was going through, but he'd always have this note of victory, this note of triumph, this note of, hey, we're going to make it. Hey, God's for us. Hey, God's on our side. It's rough everywhere, but hey, guess what? We're, we're breaking through. There's going to be a major breakthrough here because he continually kept himself sharp. And so uh, it's very important that we keep ourselves sharp. Amen? So God's more interested in what we're becoming than in what we're doing. Now, I realize that you can take that too far, but I think that we, we're, we're, we, religion always focuses on what we're doing, doing the right thing, where Christianity focuses on what, what are you becoming? I, wanted you, I want you to become, I want you to look like Jesus. I want you to become more like Jesus every day. That's one of God's purposes for your life. You know, I remember I heard this, I don't know if it was a vision or this guy said he had a, a near-death experience and uh, he said he went to heaven, he got to the pearly gates and he said that people were coming in and Jesus was meeting them there. And um, the first question that Jesus would ask everybody is, did you learn to love when you were on earth? Did you learn to love when you were on earth? Isn't that powerful? Because, you know, the Bible tells us that the greatest is love. But that speaks of our character. I mean, it does create actions, but it speaks of our character, the character of Christ. And so uh, it's important that we, we, we see this. I want you to turn now to John chapter 8. And I want you to look at this, this process. This is a very well-known passage. And so when we grow spiritually, we can grow out of things. That's the thing I'm trying to say. We can grow out of things. You say, well, my relationship isn't doing very good. My marriage isn't doing very good. You know, you can grow out of, out of dysfunction. You can grow out of it. But you've got to be committed to growth. You've got to be committed to growth. And you've got to have a strategy for growth. If I said to you, what is your strategy for growth? What, how, I mean, what, how is it that you're going you're gonna, to uh, come up, uh, uh, how are you going to grow spiritually? You've got to be able to tell me your strategy for growth. If you don't have a strategy for growth, you probably won't grow. And one of the most, the main source uh, for our growth is, the main source of nutrients for our growth are the scriptures. Are the scriptures. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31, he said, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you continue to follow my teachings, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They said, we are Abraham's descendants, they replied, and we have never been in bondage or anyone's slave. How can you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, I tell you the solemn truth. Everyone who practices sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the family forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free. You'll be really free. So this passage of scripture, uh, Jesus Dressing people that were believers in him. He said, many, as he spoke, many believed on him. So they were, he was talking to believers. We would say it like today, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to us. And he's saying, if you continue, continue, that word continued implies continuous motion, something that you're doing continually, not something that you have done one time <clears throat> or once in a while, but you're continuing doing it. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I remember one time I heard this preacher, he got up and said, truth doesn't make you free. So we're all sitting in the audience, you know, and we're going like, should we charge the stage and grab the guy and throw him off the, in a snowdrift somewhere upside down? Because he, he seems to be contradicting. He goes, truth doesn't make you free. It's only the truth that you know. You go, well... 
we won't charge you right this time, you know. It's only truth that you know that makes you free. Truth that you know. You've got to know it. You've got to become intimately related to it. It has to become personal in your life. If it's not, if it's not personal in your life, if it's not something that you have a working knowledge of it, then it's not going to make you free. How many know that's true? You've got to know it. You've got to be able to embrace it. It has to become personal in your life. Jesus said the truth that you know will make you free. So the idea that Jesus is presenting here is that we, discovering truth is a process. You don't know it all the first day. How many know that's true? You don't know it all the first day. You know, Jesus taught parables, and he, he, taught, he talked like the parable of the talents, where he talked about he gave five talents, he gave one guy five talents, one guy two talents, one guy one talent. And then the one that got five, he increased. He got five more. The one that got two, he got, he got two more, so he had four. And so when, God, when the master came back, he said, well done. And he rewarded the, the, the servants because they increased. In other words, they grow, they grew, they increased what they had. And he says, well done. But the guy that had one had a crazy theology about God. He said, you know, basically he hid his talent in the ground. He said, God, I knew you to be a hard man that you reap. In other words, you reap where you don't sow. You gather where you haven't strawn. Which those two things that he said about God are not true. God does not gather where he's not strong. He does not reap where he does not, has not sown. Because, I mean, you think about this. Every, the whole principle of the kingdom of God operates on the, on the principle of sowing and reaping. Everything in life that God created, everything in nature operates on the principle of sowing and reaping. Isn't that true? And so God operates on the principle of sowing and reaping. God sent his son. God gave his son as a seed. And the Bible says that he might bring many sons unto glory. So in other words, he gathered, he's, he's reaping a harvest of sons and daughters because he gave his only son. In other words, he gave the seed. He operates on the principle of sowing seed. But this one guy who had the one seed, he said, you know, you, you, you gather where you have not strong. There's, in other words, it's all hit and miss. You never know what God's going to do. It's just all hit and miss. It's, it's happenstance. It's God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders are performed. You just never know what he's going to do. You don't know how, how you can advance in any way, way, shape, or form. It's just a mystery. Life's just a mystery. We all have rounded shoulders and flat foreheads. Because we ask you a question, you go, I don't know. And then you tell them the answer, you go, oh. But that's not true. The Bible, we can know truth. We can know the way in which God operates. We can know principles of Scripture. We can increase and we can advance and see the kingdom of God advance in our lives. God reveals his secrets to us. But we have to, you know, God, it says that he, he hides them, that we have to search them out. You know, Jesus taught in parables. A parable is a physical or a natural situation that has a spiritual truth behind it. That's what the parable of the sower and the seed is. And if you think about that parable carefully, it has powerful implications. Because some people wonder what the will of God is. Like, what is God's will? What is God's will? I mean, is it God's will for me to be well? Is it God's will for me to prosper? Is it God's will for me to have healthy relationships? Are those things God's will? Well, is there a promise or is there a seed in the word that says it? And if there is a seed, then it's not a question of whether it's God's will. It's too late. It's like me going, me holding up a corn seed in my hand. And me going, I'm going to plant this corn seed. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God whatever he wants it to produce. It's all up to you, God. How many would think that I was dumb? Because what is that corn seed going to produce? Corn. Every seed produces after its kind. Every promise is like a seed that produces after its kind in our lives. And so the kingdom of God shouldn't be a mystery to us. It, we have to recognize that every promise produces after its kind. In other words, if God said it's too late, what is God's will? If he said it, it's too late. It is his will because his 
in the seed. Let's think about this for a second. I got all this just by meditating on this parable, the parable of the sower and the seed. In the seed is the power to bring forth what it said. If it is placed in the right environment and if it's watered, it has the power to bring about in our lives what it says. But sometimes it takes time. There's a process. You know, Jesus said it's first the you know, first it's the stem, then the root, then the blade, then it's a process. It doesn't just like shoot up in one day and there it is. It's a process of growth. And, and it's a process that we're committed to growth and we create the right environment for the seed. What will happen is the seed will spring forth and bear fruit in our lives. Isn't that good news? So it's not like, well, I don't know. What do you think? We're all bumping into each other. Well, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And then we come up with our own theologies, our own well, what, here, here's what I think. And then we get this person says what it becomes like a New Testament Mars Hill where everybody gets together and tells some new thing. But there's something that is settled. Jesus said, my word is settled for heaven and, and, and heaven. Heaven and earth will pass. But my word will never pass away. In other words, what it says, it has within it the power to bring it to pass. That's why people don't get saved unless you preach the gospel. When the when they hear the gospel, in the gospel message is the power to bring to pass salvation in a person's life. In every, because God's word is so powerful. Mucho. What's Spanish for powerful? What is it? What is it? Say it loud. Podea. Mucho podea. Did I say it right? Podea. Mucho. You say, how do, how do you know that's true? It's, the Bible says it's powerful. Every, every, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's powerful. Which you, when you, when you uh, read in the morning, you open this book up, you're reading something that your face should light up. You should be like, every one of us should come in here, we should have sunburn in our face. Because it's mucho. Podea, mucho powerful, amen? And so that's what Jesus said. Jesus said that if you, if you embrace this process, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. They said, we've never been in bondage. And then he said, it, not talking about physical bondage to a a government or to a, a group of people, he's talking about specifically the bondage of sin. He's saying, he's, he's saying that a person who commits sin, and that means, doesn't mean that a person who stumbles and falls, but a person who is addicted or habitually sins is the servant of sin. You're a servant of sin. You can't stop, you can't stop doing something that you know is wrong. You're, that, thing's, that thing's your master. But he, in this context, he's telling you how to get free. That's how I got free. You can grow out of bondage. You can grow into liberty. You can grow out of bondage. You can grow into freedom. You can grow out of dysfunction. You can grow into uh, health. In fact, every single one of us, every day of our lives, we're either moving toward health, spiritual health, mental health, physical health, we're either moving toward that or moving away from, we're moving toward more dysfunction. You see, I think salvation is pictured a lot of times in the story of Lazarus. You know, Jesus, in a moment, after Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus, in a moment, called Lazarus forth, called him back out of the grave after he'd been dead four days. But he came out and he was bound with grave clothes, it says. And then Jesus said, so he, he had come to, back to life. That was a miracle. And that's what salvation is a picture of. In a moment of time, we can experience this rebirth, the rebirth of the human spirit. We can, we can experience in a moment of time by just opening our heart up, repenting of our sins, and opening our heart to Jesus and his, and his message of grace. In a moment of time, we can be saved. But the thing with Lazarus, he came out and he was all bound by grave clothes. Those are the things that hang on after we come to Christ. Those are the things that hang on. And Jesus said to those around, loose him and let him go. God doesn't want you bound by anything. He wants you to be free. And a lot of times what happens in the church is that we, 
cover our sin because of shame. But let me just say this to you. You can grow out of anything that redemption covers. As a child grows out of, out of his clothes, you know, how many know that's true? Like I was just talking to somebody and they said they were having another kid, but it's the same sex. And there's only two, by the way. Male and female. There's only two. I know that's very controversial right now, but there are only two. And that is science, by the way. If you want to talk about science, that is science. But this one person said, well, you know what, I'm ha- we're having another, I can't remember what it was, a girl or a boy, we're having another girl, so they had a bunch of girls. And I said, well, one thing about it, you, don't, you got clothes, don't you? Why do you got clothes? Because the, the girl that you have right now that's wearing those clothes, she's going to grow out of those clothes, and the next girl's going to grow into those clothes. Isn't that true? So as a child grows out of things, and grows into things, spiritually speaking, we can grow out of things and we can grow into things. Amen? We can grow out of dysfunction and we can grow into health and liberty. Freedom. I want you to look at another verse here. Turn over here to 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 2 and 3 it says, this is the new, the NET, which I can't remember what it was, but It says, and yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up to salvation. In other words, because salvation, when people think about salvation, they always think about it as, you know, getting our sins forgiven and going to heaven. But salvation is really a broad word. It covers basically every aspect of your life. It talks about freedom, deliverance. talks about even your prosperity. covers every aspect of your life. And so he says, as newborn babes, as newborn infants, yearn like new <laughs> infants for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up to salvation. If you have experienced the Lord's kindness, he says, as newborn babes, you know, babies desire to grow. Babies desire milk. They desire. And he says, desire the sensual milk that you may grow thereby. The sincere milk or the, the milk is needed for growth. And if we're, if we're partaking of the word, we are going to grow. If we have a desire for the word, we're going we're gonna to be able to uh, apprehend what the scriptures are saying. And we're going we're gonna to grow. See, God doesn't, control how, God doesn't control how much salvation you experience. And how much of salvation you, you enjoy. We do through a growth process. See, a lot of times people just think that their job is just to sit there and say, well, I don't know what, what's going on in my life. You know, this is happening, that's happening. I don't know what God's doing. It's like, and really, it's not God who decides how much salvation you enjoy. You decide. God provided it. Now you've got to take hold of it. How many see what I'm saying? And so we can grow up or grow into everything because salvation covers every aspect of our lives and there are promise for every aspect. But we have to have a strategy for growth. So that's what I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Are you guys being encouraged to have a strategy for growth? And be able to tell, tell me what it is. And we have to make growth a priority because we all have challenges in our lives. Challenges are going to come and it's a whole lot easier to go through challenges when you're, when you're spiritually alert, you're spiritually alive, when you're full of faith, instead of being dull, dim, and distracted. You know, I remember one time I heard this guy, a uh, preacher, say that every single time a challenge comes, you know, he, he would say, thank God for another opportunity to prove that God's word is superior over all circumstances in every situation. I thought, I don't know if I say that. I used to say, why me, Lord? You know, that's, that's why, why me, Lord? But he, he had come to the point where every situation that he came in contact with, he had this, this buoyancy about his spirit because he had developed, he had grown to such a point where he had victory. And that's what Paul was. Paul was at that point, too. He goes, man, we're tr- I mean, I'm, I've been in trouble, but I don't know if I've been troubled on every side. He said, we're troubled on every side, but we're not in despair. 
That's powerful when you think about it. And so your spirit can come to that place where it's dominant in your lives. Your soul can rise in ascendancy where, where it has a dominance over situations. See, David is a good example of someone who prepared for, for, for life's challenges. And the Bible says that when he was a shepherd boy, he was all alone. Nobody saw what, what was going on. He was out there all alone in the, in the sheep pen, you know, step, or in the sheep pasture, you know, stepping on sheep poop and hanging out with sheep. And, but he, in there, he was learning. He was learning to protect those sheep. And he told, when he was, when he was uh, gonna confront Goliath, uh, he told Saul, he goes, when a bear came, can you imagine there's a bear? You know, like, you know, I've seen bear in the wild and I'm not real, you know, they always tell you, have you ever seen the list of things you're supposed to do if you, if you meet a pet predator? I mean, I can't, there, some you're supposed to play dead, some you're supposed to kick and fight. I can't remember which one is which, right? I mean, if it's a grizzly bear, play dead. If it's a black bear, kick and fight, scream and holler. I remember one time we were out, we were fishing in Canada and we were having shore lunch. And this is a threatening place because you're, you're, you have fish is what they want. And, and so this bear came and it, it didn't act like he wanted to have anything to do with us, but he wasn't that far away. And so we were, everybody started to bang, you know, they're banging thing. Hey, you know, get out of here, get out of here. And the bear just kind of kept walking, just kind of like lumbering along. And finally, we're all making all this noise. Finally, he stops and he looks. We, I thought to myself, I don't think we're doing the right thing right now. <laughs> Didn't even act like we, he was interested until we started bang, banging and whatever. But it says that, that David didn't say, I took my sword and killed the lion. He said, I killed the lion and the bear. When nobody was looking, he could have gone, well, you can have one. You can have one of the sheep. I don't care. But when nobody was looking, he rose up and he killed the lion. He rose up and he killed the bear. But what he was experiencing, what he was experiencing private victories that was preparing him for, for public victories. And, there, and what we have to have is we have to have some private victories. We've got to sharpen ourselves in, in private. You know, Jesus said, he said there's three things that we should do in private. He said we should pray in secret. If we pray in secret, our Heavenly Father will reward us openly. He said we should give in secret. Our Heavenly Father will reward us openly. And we should fast in secret. If we fast in secret. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said that. So there's, there's, there's a time when there's, I mean, there's, it's great to get together. It's great to be around other Christians. And we need that desperately in our lives. We also need, I don't, I don't want to say but, we also need to have some private victories. Some things that we do when we're alone, where, we, where, we, uh, where we're growing, we're doing the necessary things to grow and to become successful in private. How many follow what I'm saying? Because what we do in secret, the Bible says God sees in secret, he'll reward us openly. That's what, Paul, that's what David was doing. In, in secret, he was killing the lion. In secret, he was killing the bear. And then one day came, he's going, he's, in, in David's mind, God is great. And I know he's powerful. And I know he's with me. And I know he's on my side. And I know, I, I know I'm anointed for this moment. And when Goliath's challenge went out there, everyone else that had not been winning private victories pulled back. And said, this is tough. This is bad. And David said, who does this guy think he is? He's an uncircumcised Philistine. I'll let you figure that one out. Who does he think he is challenging the armies of the living God? And I love the, sto I love the story. I, I've read this story many times and I try to picture what it was like. I, try to, I see this guy. It's, you know, they say he's either 9 feet tall or 11 feet tall. Any way you look at it, he's big. His spear is like this gigantic spear. He's got this huge head on the spear. I mean, his head is as big as a watermelon. 
And David comes out there. He's got no armor. This guy's got an armor. He's got a guy carrying his shield in front of him. And David comes out there, and all he's got is, he's just this little shepherd boy with a slingshot and five rocks because Goliath had four brothers. And Goliath goes, <laughs> Pee-wee. <laughs> little piss ant. And he goes, come here, I'm gonna rip your, I'll rip your hide apart and feed your carcass to the birds. You know what he said? He wasn't intimidated at all. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to smite you. I'm going to take your head off. And these people are going to know there's a living God in Israel and that he is working and moving in this hour and this time. But he didn't come to that moment without having some private victories. Private victory. He didn't come to that moment without sharpening himself in private. Without spending time praying, spending time worshiping, spending time in the presence of God. And, you know, it says, and I love this. You know, I would have, I would have gotten behind a rock or something, you know, a big boulder. And go on, you know. <laughs> you know, ever seen these slingshots? They're not like this slingshot. They got these kind that go, woo, 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 woo. I don't even know how they flick them. But anyways, they. And so I got behind a rock or something, tried to get a shot in, you know. That's what I would have done, tried to be sneaky. But it says he began to advance. Can you imagine what the giant thought? This little, <laughs> this little ruddy guy is running at me. And he's swinging this thing, you know, whoosh, 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 and all of a sudden, whoosh, hit that giant right in the forehead, knocked him flat. He was flopping around like a crappie, <laughs> trying to die. And so, what am I going to do? How am I, I told him I'd cut his head off. So he took his own, he took Goliath's short off, sword out, and he went whack. And then he lifted. I mean, I'm talking about blood everywhere. I'm telling you, there's blood everywhere. He held that big old watermelon head up, and everybody goes. Woohoo! Woohoo! They weren't going woohoo, woohoo until the, right? But that came about because of a guy who had some private victories. You know, the Bible says we love this verse in Daniel. My time's up. I could preach a little longer here, but you were supposed to say, oh, go ahead. <laughs> Usually it's the front row that says, go ahead. Where were you guys? <laughs> Second row had to step up. I, was, I forgot what I was going to say. But the point is, is that every single one of us, you're at some place, and I'm, I'm, I'm troubled sometimes when I talk to Christians that have been Christians a while, and I always ask them, are you reading? Are you listening to something? Are you... I, tell me about your devotions. Tell me what you're doing to sharpen yourself. Tell me what you're doing to sharpen yourself. And they say, well, I'm busy. Really? You saw on that old chainsaw and the blue smoke, blue smoke's just pouring out of there and fires are starting and, and, and you're just going, I'm too busy to sharpen myself. You know, and as the worship team comes, I'm just having them come to give you guys hope that I'm going to quit. <laughs> you know, I, one of the stories in the Bible that I love is found in Joshua chapter 1, where God, God is speaking to Joshua. And Joshua is taking Moses' place. Now, I mean, this is quite an intimidating person to take their, his place because it says that God spoke to Moses face to face. So you're going to take the place of a guy that speaks to God face to face. That's intimidating. How many would agree with that? And these people that you're going to lead, they already have a proven track record that this is a graveyard for preachers. It's not a good, it's not a good place. And, uh, and so he, I, I can tell that Joshua may have been intimidated, but in Joshua chapter 1, several, several times, I think it's eight times in that one chapter, I think it's eight times, God tells Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Be strong, be very courageous. I'm going to go with you. Every place your foot goes, I've given it to you. But only be strong, be very courageous. 
And you're going, I mean, what does he want him to do? Just be, pretend like he's strong? Fake it till you make it? I mean, what? what? But there's one verse that I think gives the key to this, verse 8. He says, this book of the law, or we would say in our day, this word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night, that thou mayest be careful to do all that is written therein. Then he goes, then you, you, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. How many here want to have, want prosperity and success? Just three or four of us? He tells you how. He's not saying just be strong in yourself. He's saying be strong in the Lord. Be strong through your connection with him. Be strong because of your private victories. You gotta have some private victories, folks. You gotta have some times when nobody's around, but you're still, you're still fighting. You're still battling. You're still declaring. You're still rising up. But nobody's around. Nobody's watching. You're still speaking God's word. You're still meditating. You're still praying scary prayers. Like, Jesus, save the whole world! Some scary prayers, right? You still have to have those moments, but it's what we do in private that God rewards us openly. Let's all stand together. Growth, growth doesn't happen because you come to church on Sunday automatically. I think you should come to church on Sunday. You should be together with the saints. You should hear an incredible sermon. <laughs> you should worship with the saints, fellowship with the saints. I think that's awesome. But you can't rely on that totally. There has to be some private, private victories. You know, David said, he talked about in the morning, he said, my voice shall rise to you. I think about that sometimes when I get up in the morning and I start praying or worshiping. I think, just like David, Lord, my voice is rising to you. And there has to be some private victories so there can be some public victories. Let's sing this song together. Trusting in what's sinking, these boats weren't built for me. I'm not drifting on the waters of insecurity. In the noise and the distraction, in the storms of arguing, I hear your voice calling. Gonna fix my eyes on Jesus, walking with the one who walks on the sea. And I'm gonna give my life to follow, speak to me.
God. Let's lift our hands one more time and just thank God for his word this morning. Kathleen has a word here. She wants to share a testimony. Kathleen, you want to come real quick? She just has a testimony she wants to share. Well, that was some good preaching. Amen. That's right. Um, you know, Pastor Steve was talking about the, the secret place and spending time in the secret place. And uh, that that's that's a good word. Because when things come and they hit you, and you're not, when things come from the enemy, we're really never, you know, like we never know really that it's coming or what it's going to be. But when you've been in that secret place, it's, it is a whole lot easier. Um, this last week, <clears throat> I had an incident happen that um, it kicked me in the gut a bit. And, it, it, you know, I don't want to say whether it was home or family or, or work, but it took me out a bit. And, um, yeah. I just feel like there's somebody in the room today that maybe is at that spot too where you just, you had a moment or you had a day or you had a week where a half a week, I had like a half a week in, in, a, in a day. A day and then it was a half a week. But, um, you know, when we go into that secret place, when we stop for a minute and we ask the Lord, what do I do with this? And he gives you a word, stand on it and speak it. Write it down. The word says to write it down. Write it down, make it plain, have a vision, right? Of how to go forward and how to, how to, how to do this thing. Whether it's publicly, privately, I'll, I'll tell you mine was publicly and it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal. But, you know, I, I, I asked the Lord for a verse, and he told me, Kathleen, I will never give you more than you can bear. And I said, all right, because I'm there. My husband knows I'm there. <laughs> he really knows I was there. Um, and, you know, 
quite honestly, I'm going to be super transparent. Yesterday I spent the day um, wondering if I should drive to Fargo and just get a plane out of here. Um, should I drive downtown and maybe just, I didn't really have the funds for that in a way, you know? Like I could, but then, but what, you know? The job, the, all this stuff. Um, should I drive downtown? <laughs> this is edgy, guys, but should I just check myself into Bridgeway so I could, like, have a break? But, oh, honey, that wouldn't really look good, would it? Wouldn't it blow my, my witness, like, really, of what, of how God is just my everything? And, and I love Jesus, and Holy Spirit, I trust you. I just feel like sometimes we really judge that when people just need a break. I visited a friend there not that long ago, and you know, she's not a mental case. She's not a, she's not weak. She needed a break, and she didn't have money to go to the, to the, to the beach. She didn't have money to get out of here. She didn't have money to go anywhere else, and and she knew that that was covered. So, she got in her car and she drove to Bridgeway. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that, because she needed a break. She needed to spend time with Jesus, and she needed to unplug and get away and, and, and just be here and have no one bother her, no one, no one allowed to even. That's how much of a quiet place that she needed. And I just, I, it, really, it really touched me. It really touched me. Um, God's going to so take care of and is already is taking care of and has already taken care of the incident that happened. And I, I'm actually really super encouraged right now because um, I needed to hear that word today. I, I just really feel like there's somebody else in the house and online, specifically online, that's listening today that, that you just need to go and you just need to ask him for a word and you need to speak it. You need to meditate on it, read it, meditate on it, speak it, write it down, write it down, make it plain. Where there's no vision, the people perish, right? And so it's not that hard. I don't know. I just really, it's not that hard. Just ask him, I don't know what to do with this. What do I do? Here I am. What do I do? Because this hurts. This is horrible. I'm scared. This is freaking me out. This is, this is not good. So, yeah, thank you for that word because it was a good word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> you know, that's a, that's a great promise that we'll not, he'll not give us anything we can't, we can't uh, bear. Yeah, 1013, 1 Corinthians 1013. That's a great promise. Amen. God's working on our behalf. So with that in mind, I'm going to have the prayer counselors come forward. And, uh, and I, if, you're, um, if you have, if you are one of those people that need prayer and uh, you uh, are going through some stuff and maybe you're at the end, you just say, I need some, I need some encouragement. Because we all, you know, God baptizes us into a body that we can encourage one another. Amen. And so if you are at that point, I just encourage you to come forward as soon as I dismiss have one of these people pray for you. They're good people, kind, loving people. They have compassion. They'll pray for you. Amen? Well, it's been awesome being with you guys. It has been wonderful. You're a great bunch of people. And we have some refreshments back there somewhere. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. Amen? So please join us for some fellowship. And if you do need prayer, please, as soon as I dismiss, make your way forward. God bless you all. You're free to go. God bless you.